What's up, everybody? Texas All Access coming at you. John Harris here, and I've been waiting a week to say this, or more. The voice of the Texans joins me right now. Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Johnny, we haven't done a show in a while. How, no, how about that? It's been a while. They've it's heard these interviews, but get, you know, spoiler alert, we did some of these interviews a while back, a like during minicamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a but, long time ago. But we were clear about that. I yeah, said yeah. when I ran some of those uh, the previous week, hey, we caught up with uh, so-and-so during our minicamp visit, yep. just in case they slip in a minicamp reference or whatever. Yep. But here we are, and Johnny, two weeks from Friday, rock and roll. Let's go. Yeah, Friday when I looked up and saw, because I can do the math on weeks, and I saw mm-hmm. July 8th. And three weeks away, I'm like, whoa, three weeks away. It's three weeks away. It's three weeks away. Yeah. Of course, as I said it, I realized, oh, wait a second. We'll be doing our all-access show six to seven, and we'll be recapping the first day of training camp three weeks from Friday, which is obviously we're under three weeks now. So cannot wait. It was announced on Friday, uh, Thursday, actually, training camp dates and times, HoustonTexas.com. Check out the Houston, Texas app. It will start July 29th at 8 a.m., which is really, really great and really, really not so great. Wait, why is it not so great? We're on the air from 8 to 10. Oh, and we can't watch a ton of practice. But here's the thing. I got a plan. I've got some. Oh, you got a plan? I got a plan. <laughs> it, inv- okay, it, involves our, put on, it involves our film department helping me out with some film after practice. You're going to put on the live version of Indigata <laughs> Devita yeah. or Stairway to Heaven or Days to Confuse 26 Minutes from The Song Remains the Same. Oh, speaking of, yeah. just what you mentioned uh, music got me thinking. Um, you watch Stranger Things? All right. It's funny you mentioned that because my kid's been watching it. He's watched all of it, right? Really? Okay. I started on this past vacation. I was down in Port Aransas. I started watching it with him, and I started season one. I said, hey, put okay. on episode one. You know, we're just yeah, the yeah, two yeah. of us at night. So I've gotten through season one, and I'm like three episodes into season two. That's all, all right. I've gotten. All right. But give me some credit there because I just oh, started this thing, and good. I put Yellowstone down in the middle of it all, which I felt fine doing. And I'm watching Stranger Things, which I kind of like. It's not, you know what this is? It's Poltergeist, Close Encounters, Gremlins, E.T., and one more had a baby. And that's what this is. But that one, that one more has to be. Stand non- by me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Like a non-science fiction yes. part. Because you got to get that, yep. that part in there. Abs- absolutely. The 80s references are are. Fantastic. Terrific. And he likes really all these good. 80s tunes now. And oh, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, that's really cool. Because there's in episode or uh in season four, there's a character that you will meet. Oh boy. And he shreds. Oh yeah, I heard about this. He shreds. Yeah. Now I don't know if it's him, mm-hmm. but who's ever playing the guitar, yeah. he looks like he's playing. Maybe he's playing air guitar. I don't know. But he shreds. Can I tell you the song? Yeah, go ahead. Master of Puppets from Metallica. Oh my gosh. He shreds. And you'll find out you'll find out you'll find out why I, I, I can't I can't believe that. Oh. I'll catch up. Well, you also know what's on tonight too, by the way. Wait, what's on tonight? It's the return. The return of Oh, Better Call Saul. Yes. Ooh. Well, power's out of my house, Johnny, currently, and I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that it comes on a little bit later so I can DVR, watch it, whatever. Because uh, just only seven houses. A transformer blows in the neighborhood. Seven houses. And uh, we'll get to it. No, I love my friends at Centerpoint. I really do. 
please get to my house. They'll take care Sugarland. of you. Thank you. They definitely will take care of you, no doubt. And Owen Daniels used to take care of us and probably still does. And you're going to hear from Aaron Owen Daniels a little later in the show with a little where are they now with our guy Drew Doherty. So it's fun to hear from the former Pro Bowl tight end. But, Mark, I thought of you when I saw this today. So I want to do our version of gut reaction. Okay. Peter King turned over his uh, Football Morning in America article, Mm -hmm. and he gave it over to his listeners, 30 ideas on improving the NFL. So I want to do the Voice of the Texans gut reaction to some of these ideas because Peter King, as he should to his listeners and readers, was very nice. He was not – that idea is terrible. We don't have to be as nice – we can go ahead and shoot them down. I'll tell you but if it's we are going to improve the NFL. I think some of these are really actually pretty interesting. Okay, go All ahead. All right, ready? Here's yeah. your one. Cut the reaction to this. After the initial overtime kickoff, so this is an overtime, no punting, no field goals. The ball is turned over on downs only. Teams play until someone scores a touchdown or 15 minutes and call it a tie. Would coaches choose the ball or the field position? How fired up would a defense be to try to hand the ball to their offense 25 yards from the end zone? No kicking in overtime, your gut reaction. That really is entertaining. But no coach would ever want that Uh decision to make. You know, it's funny because we say, well, whoever gets the ball is a tremendous advantage. Oh, really? Would you like the ball? There's no punt. You have to go for it on fourth down. Would you like the ball? You want it now, coach? You want it now? Person who thinks that whoever gets the ball has an unfair advantage, take the ball, but guess what? You don't convert on fourth or you don't convert on third down. You must go for it on fourth down, and then we get the ball at your 20 if you fail to do that or wherever you are. So I was watching the USFL championship game. I think it was a championship game. It was Birmingham Stallions and the Philadelphia Stars, and it was one of those situations. The I think it was the Stars. The Stars scored to make it 33-30, so they did the onside kick of fourth and 12 and going for it. Yeah. Mark, I got to admit, it was really compelling. Just listening to the announcers talk about how both offense and defense were going to handle it. I've never seen it in action before. We always talked about it in theory. Is it an option or do you have to go for it fourth and 12? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's an option. You can it, always kick well, off. Well, you can kick you're off, but league. you're down yeah. three. So there's right, like right, a right. minute. I don't know. There's a minute. You're not going to onside kick. You're going to go for a fourth and throw, run, a, run a play. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, they picked fourth and 12. They were going to go for I think it's fourth and 12. Maybe it's fourth and 15. They went for it. And it was really interesting to hear the announcers talk about the, kind of the gamesmanship. Like, do you blitz? Do you do you not? Uh, do you – what kind of player are you thinking offensively? You know, obviously you just have to get to the first down market to, to maintain the ball. But the bigger thing was defense. And so – I can't remember who was who was on the announce crew, but they're like, I'm not letting that quarterback sit back there and pick us apart on fourth and whatever. Got to send somebody. And so they did. They sent Heat and made him throw it early, and it ended up getting knocked down uh, at about the 10 or 11. Even if the guy had caught it at that point, he still would have had to get another two, three yards or wherever he yeah. was. But it was really just the strategy involved and how intense it made that particular moment in the game. It was like, wow. It was really – I – I've been a proponent of it, but after watching it play out, I thought, man, this is really exciting. And look, the USFL has historical precedent. The NFL has adopted things from the USFL. We've been over this. Like the red challenge flag was a USFL thing, for instance. Yes, very good. Okay. 
This one is 17th game ideas. I've had this one before. This idea is twofold. Grow the game domestically, internationally, and create a consistent and fair way to allocate the recently added 17th game. Every team plays one neutral site game. So eight home, eight road, one neutral site. Continue to schedule several national games, London, Mexico, Munich. Mix in new locations, Dublin, Barcelona, Barcelona, Sydney, Rio de Janeiro, Toronto. Here's a twist. And a way to connect with casual U.S. fans and maybe college football fans. Schedule the remainder of the neutral site games in traditional college markets. Lincoln, State College, Clemson, Tuscaloosa. And then this guy brought up, think about what it would mean if the Steelers and Eagles played for bragging rights in front of 107,000 at Beaver Stadium. Or play a salute to service weekend matchup between the Bills and Giants in West Point. Ooh. There's a lot. There's a lot there's there. There's a lot there. But I I've all, I've been when they said we were going to 17 games, that was that was one of my ideas. That 17th game needs to be uh, I said at the time it needs to be an international game. But you've got to find I mean if you if you played them in all different sites, there'd be 16 different sites. I don't know if you'd had to play them in different sites, but if you doubled up in places like two in Mexico, two in London, two, you know, two in Wembley, two at Tottenham, I don't know, maybe you could do it that way, but I didn't really think about the college system. I'm like, eh, you know, are we really going to go? Are they really going to go to state college? But then again, I'm like, wait a second. He said Steelers, Eagles at Penn State. I thought, oh, boy, that could be kind of interesting. It could be very interesting. That it's could be a very huge crowd, like you said. So that makes it appealing. I don't think there's a, there's a Texas equivalent. The Texans and the Cowboys doing business at Kyle Field doesn't quite do it for me the same way yeah. as Steelers, Eagles at Penn State right. or Bengals. And the Browns at the horseshoe would be incredible. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty that would nice. be pretty cool. But Johnny, I don't know. Look, I don't know what that really does for the league. And besides, what everyone has to get around, you know, here revenue-wise, is that yes, you have 17 games in a regular season. You have three preseason games. You still get 10 games at home, no matter what, whether right. two preseason or right. one preseason. That means 10 home games of revenue. For the owners, so you have to address that part. And those of you rolling your eyes right now at me saying, Mark, <laughs> come on, let us play around. I get it. Play around. But that has to be addressed because that's real money coming through the door. Very much so. Okay, so that leads me to this idea that was a little bit further down. 18-game regular season, two preseason games. Okay? Yeah. yeah. No player could play more than 16 regular season games. Oof. At the beginning of the week, for that week's games, teams must list their eligible players from a newly expanded roster. Ineligible players would have the week off and would not be allowed to practice with the team. This would make an interesting coaching strategy, so I know where that's going. Most teams would use their best players for stronger divisional opponents. This plan would do the following. Prolong players' careers, show what backup quarterbacks can do, give players a chance in NFL career, more players a chance. Players with borderline injuries may be less likely to be pressured to play, but players' 16-game season records would be comparable. 18-game season, but they only get to play 16. Where I said, heck no, was when he said this would make an interesting coaching strategy. Because coaches, I mean, how many times have we been sitting in here with head coaches from Bill O'Brien, Romeo, David, and Romeo, or to Lovey as well, you just add another decision on in their yep. lap. Yep. No, there's no way. Well, plus I do. I think the genesis of the idea is not bad. The Bucks are saying they're going to rest Tom Brady when they play Atlanta this week. Right. That has an extra dynamic. Right. It adds something to that game. It takes a big thing away right. for the fans. I wanted to see Brady, and you're taking him away from me. Right. 
But it adds something in that now Atlanta's going to be throwing questions. Hey, they're resting Tom Brady against you. Right. How does that feel, Arthur Smith? Exactly. I don't like the way that tastes. I'm going to use that as motivation for my <laughs> right. team. Right. Right? I mean, I'd rather not face Brady, but you know what I'm saying? Right. This actually helps me in multiple ways. So, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't. I hate load management in the NBA. I think it sucks. I'm with you. I think it's an admission by that league that the schedule's too long. Right. And Maybe I'll not argue, by the league, but by its teams. Well, whatever. Yeah. Whoever. Yeah. If if and no one can win that debate against me, right? <laughs> right. No, Mark. It's eighty-two games. It's tradition. No, you're saying the schedule's too long. No, but you have to rest. The, why you have to rest them? Right. Because the schedule's too long. Right. You don't rest players in the NFL unless they're actually hurt. There's no load management. You know, maybe the last game of the season when you clinched a playoff appearance, even then people are like, I don't know about sitting this guy down because we need the rhythm and everything, but it happens. I get it. So, okay. I don't like it. No. I, I, don't, I don't like the 18 either. I mean, I, it took me hard. It was it was hard enough to get me to 17. Well, I don't But mind. the last thing that you can do is put a season and then mandate a team. You have to rest players. What if I mean? What if you screwed up the first year you do it, and all of a sudden you've only got thirty-five players for the for the game? How about you rest your starting quarterback, and then the next week he gets hurt, and you're thinking, <laughs> right. "Oh man, yeah, exactly. Oh man, exactly." Okay, this one's pretty simple. Adopt relegation. I don't know how. Well, where you, are they going? Right, exactly. You go to the SEC for a year. <laughs> So this is what he said. soon enough, those SEC players are going to be making more than the rookies in the NFL. To make it work, the NFL would make the USFL the Champions League. Oh, boy. And form a partnership. Leave the USFL team in Birmingham and put other teams (laughs) in cities without NFL teams. The USFL will play in the fall. The championship game will be played on Saturday when colleges will be on their bowl break. Then the worst team or teams in the NFL will be regulated regulated after the season, and the best team or teams in the USFL would move into the NFL. I got two words, hell and no. No, it's not going to happen, and it shouldn't happen, but it is cool that they do it over there. Yes. I think it's a cool thing. However, all right, so Fulham's going back up, right? Fulham's going back up. How are they going to do? AFC Richmond's going back up, by the way, in Ted Lasso season three. Ooh. Because they got to go against West Ham and Nate. So Yeah, they do. Yeah. So there is – you can go back up. I'm telling you, watching a game for uh, relegation is – Talk about intense. Yeah. I mean, holy smokes. It's the the difference going from championship to it's like $175, $180 million just to go from championship to the Premier League. So there's something with relegation, but there's no, there's no you, you can't you can't do it in this particular sport. Who came up with that idea about playing for the number one pick the week before the Super Bowl or something like that? Oh, you and I were talking about that. Yeah. yeah. That intrigues that me. That would be fun. I mean, that would be really that's fun. That's a bowl game for the number one overall pick. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, playing for, I don't know, in this case, Will Anderson maybe? I don't know. People I mean, would watch it. Oh, but here's the thing. <laughs> Let's say it's, I don't know, Jags-Lions. Right. Right? And whoever's the Jaguar quarterback at that point, Say it's before Trevor Lawrence is drafted, wins the Jaguars the game, it wins them the first round pick, right? And then he gets bounced because Trevor Lawrence is coming in as the first round. But at pick. least he puts something good on tape, like Gardner Minshew. That could benefit him. I I don't disagree with you that. You know you know what's funny about all this stuff, NBA summer league. It's interesting to me, and I almost tweeted this out. NBA summer league, 
greater than NBA preseason games. I mean, NBA Summer League is compelling stuff. Yeah, it is. There seems to be some vibe. Well, dudes are I know playing it's in for Vegas. Something. They're playing yeah, for something. They just got there. Yeah. You know, I'm watching the Rockets with great interest here, and it's I don't know. There's just some kind of atmosphere about it. The stands have a lot of people there. I remember when the summer league was like they did it at like UMass Boston one year. They've yeah. done it in some weird places. It's become a thing. They broadcast all these games. I think it's fun. Settling in Vegas, I think, was a good thing because getting that, even though it's Thomas and Mack Center, and, and I've not been to Thomas and Mack Center, but just that used to be. Well, it is where UNLV still plays. That said, it's Vegas, so you're going to get every now and again, you're going to get some stars, mm-hmm. some entertainers that want to come to games and see sure. Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro. You get some of that kind of kind of runoff over into the summer league. I just wish they wouldn't have publicized the fact that they're giving summer league championship rings. Oh, don't give a ring. If, oh, give I give a mug. Here's your mug. Nice. Yeah. It's a, like, give them, like, give them something you want. Hey, here's $50 to go to Circus Circus or whatever. <laughs> $50. I don't, I don't know. Well, but I offered a mug. So. A ring. I, I mean, oh, my No. No, no, no. Okay. This one. I think you and I maybe talked about this one, too. You got reaction to move the Super Bowl to Saturday night. I'm actually okay with it. More okay than you would think. To move to Saturday night? Yes. I am, too. Absolutely. Didn't it not work out this year, even with the later Super Bowl, that President's Day was actually a week later, right? I think you're right. So Monday was not a national federal holiday, as we all hoped, as we all kind of thought would happen. I'm actually okay with the Super Bowl on a Saturday night. Why not? What's the problem with that? Well, Sunday is sacred. Really? Really? Super Bowl Saturday. Look, you already went to a 17-game schedule. You'll probably go to 18 at some point. Washington changed its name to the Commanders. Yes. You can play the Super Bowl on Saturday night. You can, you can change that. Trust me. People will still watch. Now, they might think, Johnny, they might think, the league, the TV partners might think, you know what, we're not going to get as big a number on Saturday night because the casual fringe audience, which is millions and millions of people here, yeah. might opt to go to the gala or the party or the dinner or the whatever over the Super Bowl on a Sunday night because it still kicks off at 6.30 Eastern, which, look, you don't have anything else going on at 6.30 Eastern on a Sunday night. It's not going to happen. As I talk myself out of it, I just decided yeah. no. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good you're going to get a smaller – people will watch it. You and I will always watch the Super yeah. Bowl. And there will, be, there will be millions of people that will always watch the Super I, Bowl. I think like, no you'll have what. 10 million fewer viewers or something like – it'll be a huge number – of people that, well, I was going to watch it, but I, I'll miss the first half, or I've got this, or I've got right. that. Kids still have AAU tournaments, and, you know, whatever. Whatever they got, they got Saturday night. Sunday night, you have nothing, by and large. I I, I think you've talked me out of it, too. I, I, didn't, I don't mind it. it was Sunday, Saturday, Tuesday. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm going to watch the game, but you're right to get that audience. And on a kind of side note, related note, have you seen the – Netflix documentary that they did with Jennifer Lopez? No. Called Halftime? I saw it on my on my scroll, but yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It's it's interesting because it's about the Super Bowl in Miami right before COVID. Right. And it's about 
it's basically leading up to that. Now, there's oh, other things involved. Uh, you know, it was kind of award season and nominations and all that kind of stuff. And she doesn't get a nomination for Hustler. Was that the name? Hustle. Hustlers. Hustlers. Something. Anyways, she, she doesn't get a nomination that. for that. But it's all this kind of behind the scenes stuff about how they built the halftime show for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And there's one scene in particular where Jennifer Lopez basically said to the NFL, and I mean, we know the NFL. I mean, who tells the NFL? Like, yeah. no. Uh, and she basically was like, oh, uh, I'm going to do it my way. It's it's kind of interesting. you got to watch it wow. sort of play out. But uh, I thought it was a pretty good documentary. Um, I've never been the biggest Jennifer Lopez fan, but I walked out there going, yeah, okay. I All always right, respected cool the heck out of her because yeah. singer, actress. Yeah, she does everything. She's good funny. Board. She can be funny when she yeah. wants to be. She can be serious when she wants to be. I like her. I have This, this one I think was my, my favorite one. Okay. Because I think – you know, there's not, you know, in college football, you have built in a lot of built in geographical rivalries Texas, Texas AM, Pitt, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Some of those don't, I think I picked three that don't play anymore consistently UCLA, USC, which is another story. And so there's always kind of hatred among Auburn, Alabama. There's always kind of hatred amongst the teams just because of the geographic stuff and there's, there's hate. But in the NFL, sometimes it's born out of circumstance. You know, the Ravens and Steelers kind of hated each other because they were always playing with big games. There was big things on the line. How much hate do you think would be generated between teams if we allowed the best teams in the playoff to pick their playoff opponent? What? Yes. Pick your playoff opponent. So take your 17 17 playoff. Number one gets the bye, right? Yep. So two, three, and four are hosting. Correct? And they get to pick. Two gets to pick. Does two probably will pick seven, but maybe not. Somebody just got hurt. That team is weaker. Right. Right. Somebody might get hot. Look, right. the Bengals played at home. All right. The they first round yep. against the Raiders. the Raiders. Yeah. Yep. But then they went on the road. Mm-hmm. And then they went on the road again. Right. And they won both of those games. Right. But can would, you imagine? Would somebody have taken the Bengals? Let's see. Because the Bengals beat the Raiders. They got to pick. They would have picked the Raiders. Would they have picked anybody else? I think they would have picked the Raiders. Because okay. the Raiders, remember how the Raiders eked in last year with that fuel goal? Everybody thought the, the Chargers and the Steelers were going to tie. Yeah. Our Chargers and Raiders were going to tie. And that would have gotten both of them in. But then at the end, the Chargers called a timeout. The Raiders got all upset. The Raiders were like, well, we're just going to kick a field goal and beat you and knock you out. And then they did. Would and, the Bills have picked the Patriots? See? Exactly. Steelers. That, that's exactly my point. But the Bills, but the Bills were what seed? The Bills were the three. And who was the who was the four? I can't remember. Anyways, the Chiefs ended up playing the Steelers. And then I think the the three and the six game was the Bengals and the Yeah, would the Bills have picked the Patriots? They would have been left with the Patriots, probably. They would have been left with the Patriots. But man, talk about making seed. talk about making a decision though. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you broadcasted, hey, at 5 o'clock tonight, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to pick their playoff opponent. And Andy Reid strides to the podium, and he's got a – he said, we're going to play the L.A. Chargers. It'll it'll add something. In the playoff. It's interesting. I don't think you need it. I don't it think could it, be fun, it though. It would be fun, but I don't know if it adds enough. I mean, what's the first question in the locker room every what's single time? What's the downside time? of it? Hey, what do you feel about the Chiefs picking yeah. you guys to play? Right, as John McClain would ask it. Yes. What would be the downside of it? That kind of stuff, but what's wrong with that? Nothing. 
but again, it's it seems cheap in a way. Maybe not all out cheap, but I think it's part of lesser it for- than what the league is right now, which is about you finish in this slot. This is who you're getting. Yeah. I, well, I think even more interesting would be the next round because the team with the buy would have three teams to pick from, and you got to pick a team that just won a game, and you have and to pick anybody a team. who won. Right. looks pretty good. Right. So would the Titans have picked the Bengals? Because you had the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. Yeah, the Titans would have still picked the Bengals they out of those three every single time. Yeah. And so essentially, not only I mean how valuable is the one seed at that point, because the one seed gets a bye, but then gets to pick who plays each other in the next two rounds. Right. That would be awesome. And you hope you pick a winner that's weakened somehow by injuries throughout the game or something like that. I like this one. I like this one. I'd like this one to happen. I need some Raj, time to let it marinate. Raj, let's talk. Let's talk. Well, while you marinate on that, we'll have Owen Daniels stop by. Well, where are they now with Drew Doherty next on Texas All Access? Welcome back to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. Glad that you have chosen to join me this evening or whenever you are listening to this. It's Monday where I am, but it could be Thursday when you get to it. It could be Friday. I don't know. Either way, you're listening to it. Really appreciate it. Uh, If you're not listening to it live right here at Sports Radio 610, then you're listening to it on the app, and we truly, truly appreciate that. Now, about a decade ago, there was a guy that we loved watching in the city of Houston. Number 81, tight end Owen Daniels. Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with the all-pro, Pro Bowl tight end Owen Daniels and see where is he now. Drew, take it away. We've never caught up with the greatest Texans tight end ever. That's right, Owen Daniels oh, wow, joining man. us now. How you been, man? You're looking good. What's new? I am doing all right. Great to see you. Great to yes. talk to you. I'm living in Houston. I got two little boys, six right. years old, four years old. Uh, Henry and Benjamin, and my wife's doing great. Angel's doing well, and so man, I've been. This is my sixth season out. Retirement was interesting at first, you know, interesting waters to navigate, and not. It was actually ended up being a much more difficult transition than I had anticipated it being. If you followed my uh, journey at all through what Henry, my son, has been through, and then what I've been through with my mental health, but. I have learned a lot and I'm in a good place now. People go through stuff all the time. So, you know, from my end, I'm realizing that being out of football, it's you're going to have your good days, you're going to have your bad days and got to do it our best to kind of be mindful of everybody, and especially with, with everything that's going on in the world right now. So the great thing for me is that, so obviously retiring from football, it's kind of, you know, I've been doing it my whole life, right? And then all of a sudden it's like a loss. And I sure. didn't realize it was going to be like that necessarily. I've had the opportunity, 2019 was the first season. I'm now three seasons in. I had the opportunity to get football back in my life. I'm an assistant coach on the varsity football team at the Kincaid School, the Kincaid School here in town. So I've had a ton of fun. It's been super rewarding. Uh, what exactly What exactly are you coaching them on? Like, are you the tight ends coach or more than that? Or So, yeah, it's high school football. So we have, our offense has kind of has changed a little bit over the first couple of years. My first year, I was at the tight end coach. We had tight end bodies. We were able to do that type of stuff. And then this past season, we did more of the past two seasons. It was more of an air raid type of an offense. So I was coaching the inside receivers. Okay. So that was my position group, the inside slot receivers, kind of where I worked a lot uh, as far as similar type of routes and things like that. So we had some 
some really good athletes to work with. And as far as my role on the team, I just tried to help out wherever I could, wherever I thought I could help out, whether if it was an O-lineman with their, with their technique, you know, receiver running a route, going back to my quarterback days, helping quarterbacks with their, with their footwork and things like that. So just doing what I can to help make the game simpler. The kids, those kids at Kincaid, college prep school, they got a lot going on with academics and all those things. And they're eager to learn. They want to improve. And, and I just try to find a way to communicate things to them in a way that's that's simple. Football is a pretty simple game. It comes down to fundamentals. It comes down to simplifying as much as possible. And that makes the game that much easier. So, you know, just doing what I can to kind of pass my knowledge down. All the things that I've, you know, the knowledge that I've accumulated over the years, over, you know, learning from great coaches that I've had in college and the NFL, obviously. Just teaching kids the things I wish I would have known back in high school. So it's been it's been an awesome part of my life. You got any baby Owen Daniels, baby Joel Dreesons that you've been working with there? Kind of. So let's ask it a lot. It, you know, it is because baby OD in high school was a, was a quarterback. It's true. Yeah, that's true. Who who wanted to be a a big time college quarterback. So, you know, I don't know if we have a guy like Joel Dreesen (laughs) or myself on the (laughs) roster right now. I'm hoping I can get back to uh, getting some kids who the body type to where we can run the type of offense we're gonna we had an offensive coordinator change during the season and so but there's a potential for having a new type of an offense next year having a little having a tight end a little bit more involved so I'm really pushing you know anytime I get a chance I am pushing for those Kubiak keepers and all those run fakes and things like that to get the tight end involved because we like to run the ball there our, our head of coach is great about it. he wants it to be a physical game wants to run the right. football so I got a whole bunch of ideas about stuff to do off of those runs. So, and anytime I can help out, whether it's a tackle, I feel like my experience in the NFL when it comes to blocking guys is really similar to a lot of these kids who play O-line at Kincaid now. Typically, they're undersized kids. They got a lot of heart. They're tough kids, super smart kids, but they tend to be maybe a little bit smaller than you'd want to have in an O-lineman, which... It's perfect for me to explain things to them because we can relate like, hey, you know I had to compensate guys yeah. that were way bigger than me, too. So yeah. I, I understand and I know what it takes to be successful about those guys, you know, against those type of guys. So I think that's when they kind of sit, start to tune in a little bit like, oh, yeah, he did have to block guys that are way bigger than him. And I'm in that same situation. So man, it's, it's been awesome. Football is in my life. I get all the best parts of the game. You know, I get to go over there for three, four hours every every day and and throw play play ball the kids play catch and it's been awesome that's cool you know you just brought up gary kubiak and we were lucky enough we got to spend a little time with him in april and go up to his ranch just northwest of town and he said oh, he's yeah, enjoyed yeah. catching up with you over the last few years it's kind of a nice yeah. that's a nice guy you can kind of dial hey if you had a question you can you can always go to that guy he's just down the road right 100 percent, and <laughs> i have so there you go there you I go i have you know i i consider Coach Kubiak to be a great friend of mine, someone who I can hit up anytime I need anything at all. We've kept in touch, like you, you know, like you said, he mentioned over the years, got a chance to play some golf together. I saw him most recently at Peyton's Hall of Fame enshrinement. So that was great to see him there with some other former teammates. But he, every time I see him, whether it's him or, or him and his wife, like, hey, bring the kids up to the farm, do yeah. some fishing or, or whatever. And I've already gotten his ear. I already have our training camp playbook from, from back in the Texans days. So I have that. I can <laughs> access that anytime I need to. I'm looking at it week to week during the season and the off season to see what I can add to the Kincaid offensive plan. So he's been awesome. And it's great to, it's always great to have someone like that on your side. 
That's really cool. That's really cool. He's a good dude and love, love hearing from him. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, you were here a couple weeks ago for the homecoming. You were one of many former Texans that got to check things out. What was that like for you? What was it like seeing some guys that you, you brushed up against, you played with during your time here? How was that? Yeah, it was great to be back in the building. Despite what's going on, it's always great to run into guys who, man, even if it was a, even if it was one year together or, or a bunch of time together over the years, be able to run into guys. Those weekends are it, it's it's hard sometimes, and and sometimes like I kind of understand. I think we had a pretty good turnout, but sometimes I can just understand guys' hesitancy toward going back for those things. It's been hard sometimes to be proud of. You know, sometimes things that I did on the, on the team back in the day or my, you know, football career, because sometimes you feel like you don't want to boast or brag about it. But at the same time, that was a big part of my life. And, and it's hard sometimes to go back to those things because that part of your life's over. Sure. Uh, but then what? But, but once. So this year I was you know, I had gone a few years ago. I think I had taken a year or two off from going. I didn't I didn't go last year, just for pandemic reasons. And then I might have missed 2019. And I was kind of bouncing back from my mental health struggles, but kind of find, finding my right place and was kind of busy with first year of high school coaching anyway. But this year I made a point to go back and, and even, and it has nothing to do with the event. I think, you know, Candace does a fantastic job getting all the guys together and the Texas organization has nothing to do with it because they do a fantastic job of welcoming guys back. And it's just like a personal thing where it's like, man, do I want to go back and, and relive times like that I'll, that I'll never be able to get to go back to again? It's it's one of those, it, it's weird because once I, once I decide to go and I'm actually there and talking to guys, it's like, oh man, like I wish we could do yeah. this every weekend type of thing, you know? That's, it's a, it's, that's a, nat- it's a natural reaction, man. Like it's, and it's yeah. not just limited to you and, and other guys that played football. I mean, hell, I, I talked with, I just had my 20th high school reunion, 25th, excuse me. That's how old I am back in the summer. And there were guys that basically were in the same boat as you, like for whatever reason, Hey, do I want to go back? You know, am, am I have right. what I has, what I've done since high school, you know, will people think this of me, dot, dot, dot. you know, it's, it's a natural, it, I think it, it goes, it's apples and oranges, but it goes and translates to all, all parts of society going back to a yeah. time in your life with, which was drastically different and most ways happy, or sometimes it's different, but I think that's a natural response to have, you know, and, and I'm glad it was, I'm glad it turned out, you know, in a positive way for you. Cause yeah, everybody loves I, you here, I, you know, I think, I think it is natural. And I think that's why I'm mentioning it is kind of because I, I'm just, I've, I've learned how to be a little bit more honest with myself and actually verbalize things that I'm talking that, that I'm kind of going through my head through learning about myself and saying things and speaking about experiences helps other people you know and it helps you know hopefully maybe it'll down like whether it's next year if someone he sees this or hears this is like oh you know i was thinking about going and i was kind of feeling about kind of feeling the same way as od and and he said he you know really enjoyed the experience was happy that he went and and it is different it's definitely worth it i came back from that weekend i'm here in town but just from that experience, just being grateful and it's a lot of good energy around the guys. And it's definitely just a, it's a little bit of a boost. Totally. I didn't get a chance to see you while you were here, but you know, I keep up with you on social media. And when I saw you were there, I was like, Oh, that's all. That's, that's really cool. And you're, you know, your boys with you, your wife, it was, it was yeah. really fun. I, I'm glad you got to make it and glad you got to, got to see some, some of your old I bros. Am too. Huh? I am too. We, I'm, we had to leave a little early cause we got a, uh, 
Henry, or six little kids. Dad, uh, <laughs> we had basketball practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had basketball life. practice we had to get to, and, and he's pumped about hoops. It's one of the, it's like the first sport he's like actually like really excited and asked me to go outside and practice with him and, and things like that. So as a oh, dad, you gotta love you know, that, huh? That's uh, it's super cool. And like every he comes home from school, dad, can we can we go outside and shoot hoops? Like. Absolutely, man. I've been that's waiting cool. for this the last six years. So <laughs> that's tremendous, man. That's uh, that's really, really did it just kind of happen over the last few months that he's gotten into that? Because he's what a kindergartner, yeah, first so, grader? Because he's in kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. We he's he's done soccer and he's done T ball and he did some flag football this past fall. We're just kind of having to try everything out. And basketball is the first sport where he was like, I want to do basketball. And so, like, all right, awesome. I'll make sure I sign you up for this. SBMSA is hard. Like, you better be on there signing up right away. You better get Not in. I'm in SBM. Yeah, we're in SBMSA too with ours. Yeah. Because man, there's so many dang kids, and which is which is awesome for the kids. And it's just he's pumped, and he's out there shooting, shooting every day. It seems like he can get out there. So yeah, hey, like like you're asking, first time. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess whenever we. You know, he's like, when is practice starting? What, you know, what team am I on? Who's on my team? Um, <laughs> we were waiting for them to kind of organize everything over November into December. So, yeah, over the past month, he's just kind of really jumped into it. Yeah, you guys are about to hit it real hard in the next few yeah. weeks. Tell me about becoming a Texan. You're in that splendid dra- draft class. You're pretty much smack dab in the middle of it. You got Mario at the front and D'Amico. And at the very end, you got David Anderson, you, Eric Winston, yeah. lots and lots and lots of talent. Guys that helped franchise turn the page. You were here from when the Texans were mired in beginning as losers. And I mean, shoot, you were here through the best years of, of their existence in 11 and 12. What was it like when you got here? What was draft weekend like for you coming out of Wisconsin? Whew. The draft weekend was, it was cool. Back when it was just two days, right? It was just Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. So I was third or fifth round pick projected. Obviously, I, I thought I should have been a higher pick, but hey, that's just the way that it goes and injuries and things like that affect those type of things. But the first three rounds went by and I had some people at my house that weekend <laughs> as the hours ticked by Saturday and the, and, the, and the picks came off the board. Just kind of get a little bit quieter and a little bit quieter in the house. It's like, <laughs> guys, don't, <laughs> it's not a big deal. You know, we got tomorrow. So yeah, I got a call first thing that Sunday morning and the Texans had the very first pick of the fourth round, the very first pick of the second day, and got a call from Coach Kubiak, got to talk to everyone and asked if I if I've been in any trouble. Like, no, sir, I haven't been arrested. You know, just you know, house cleaning questions I ask you just to make sure. And it was it was crazy because I was talking to him and then you know, as I was on the phone with the team that said they're gonna draft me with the first pick of that day, I'm getting a call from somewhere else, like I didn't know, you know, I wasn't up on my Southern area codes back then. It was a 504 number. And I was like, I, I can't answer this. I'm on the phone with Coach Kubiak. And that number I called back later on for the draft had started that day. And it was Sean Payton who was calling to say, hey, hey, uh, so Sean Payton and I uh, went to the same high school. Naperville, right? Naperville, Illinois, Naperville Central. Hey, Owen, has anyone called you yet today? <laughs> I was like, ah, sure. Sure enough, uh, actually, um, Coach Kubiak and Texas called. They said they're going to take me. And he's like, well, congrats. Happy for you. You know, we'll, we'll be there right behind you if, if something happens and, and that falls through. And so it was a crazy morning for me. I'm telling you, man, you could do a podcast just to draft stories, the phone calls guys have gotten, things that have happened uh, in the draft process. I mean, you could do NFL draft hashtag story time, and it would be absolutely fantastic. In fact, huh, 
that might be an idea for yours truly. I don't know. We'll see. But that was Owen Daniels. That was great stuff. There's more of that if you go to the app. You can hear the full interview, which went on for way longer than what we just played. But that's okay. We got enough of it for you. And to finish up, we're going to go around the NFL. We'll do that next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here in Texas. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. And a big thanks to Mark Vandermeer and Owen Daniels and Drew Doherty for being on the show this evening. A big thanks in particular to Drew Doherty for all the great Where Are They Now interviews that he provided throughout this, this desert time frame, a.k.a. the time between minicamp and training camp. Uh, Drew's been a rock star. I really appreciate all that Drew has brought to the table for us during that time. Let's go around the NFL, and we're going to start at Heinz Field. I, I'm, I mean, well, not quite Heinz Field anymore. Uh, the ketchup bottles apparently are empty because the Pittsburgh Steelers have a new home, and it's Acrisure. Now, I can't tell you whether I'm saying that properly. I'd like to think I'm saying Acrisure. Acrisure, Acrisure. Anyhow, it's a insurance company apparently in Michigan, and they procured the naming rights to the location where Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers play their games. So you will no longer see Heinz Field or ketchup bottles of any sort as Acrisure Stadium takes over as the Steelers' new home. Now, it's hard enough to remember. (laughs) I remember my dad when the Baltimore Colts went to Indianapolis. They always stayed the Indianapolis, I'm sorry, the Baltimore Colts in my household. So when the Ravens came around, it was really, really difficult. But they were always the Baltimore Colts. Just for some reason, couldn't get over that hump. The San Diego Chargers, yeah, they're the, well, the L.A. Chargers now, but they always stay the San Diego Chargers. I got a feeling in the Harris household, mine and Harris the senior, that it's always going to be Heinz Field. You play Pittsburgh. Oh, you're going to Heinz Field. No, no, that. We're going to Acrisure Stadium. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But big ups to the Pittsburgh Steelers for getting uh, that deal accomplished over the weekend. Heinz Field renamed Acrisure Stadium right there on the Three Rivers in Pittsburgh. I will say this. That's one of the more gorgeous places to go watch a game. And I try, I'm trying to remember, it's 2026 where we would go back there for sure. 2026, go. You got to go to that place. 2020, they didn't allow fans. And it was a gorgeous day right down the river. It was one of the most incredible days ever for football. There wasn't a soul in the stands. It was the weirdest day. But if you get the opportunity to go to Acrisure Stadium to see the Steelers play the Texans in 2026, might be before. But we know at 2026 for sure. Go. Experience it. It's beautiful. All right, that's the show. Big thanks to Mark, to Owen, to Drew, to all of you. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. As always, go Texans.